Whelan Presley and Van Hall Funeral Homes have been serving Quad City families and veterans for over 100 years. Whelan Presley is located in Rock Island, Milan, Reynolds, and Van Hall in East Moline, proudly supporting WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities. The Democratic plan for the caucuses and building on losses in the state. We talk with the head of Iowa's Democratic Party on the cities. To be honest, the Democratic Party in Iowa has taken a shellacking. Once a deeply purple state, with Democrats sharing power with Republicans in the governor's mansion, in constitutional offices, in the legislature, and in Congress, but no more. Republicans dominate throughout Iowa's government, and the state is now considered red, if not deep red in some ways. Former Quad City State Senator Rita Hart is now the head of the state's Democratic Party. She needs to find candidates for offices and rebuild what the party has lost. Rita Hart joined us to talk about those challenges. As a Democrat, let's talk about the U.S. House and the search for a speaker. Um, I know as an American it pains you, but in a way, does it speak about the Republican Party at this point in America's history? Well, I think obviously when you have a party that has taken control, has the power, and then is unable to um, lead in a way that people have confidence in. When we see, we see that the inner turmoil is on the outer end, that doesn't give anybody confidence. And, um, and it shows that there's, there's real issues here within the Republican Party itself. It's a real fractured party at this point, which the Democratic Party was an era ago. Do you see the Democratic Party now as more unified than ever before? I think that's true. You know, I think that, um, for one thing, um, we've had uh, a president that we um, can talk, can point to many things that have actually happened, you know, that I was thinking about that this morning, that, you know, we, we, um, we try not to judge others, but when it comes to um, an administration, we judge as to whether it's being effective or not. And Democrats can say with confidence that this presidency has yielded many things that are good for the American people. The American Rescue Act, the, the infrastructure bill, the fact that in Iowa we have thousands of projects that are going up all over the state that are truly gonna affect people's lives, that are building childcare centers, that are improving sewer systems for small towns, that are gonna make sure that kids that everybody has access to high-speed internet, that we're fixing these roads and bridges. Those are accomplishments that we can point to. And so that gives us the ability to have confidence as a party and rally around. But what gives voters pause for 2024, perhaps, is just age. Um, that is the big thing that, that people would talk about, is Joe Biden's age, uh, but also Donald Trump's age. Where is the new generation of leaders? Because we've seen them try, especially in the Democratic Party, um, and that they didn't 
gain any traction back in 2020, 2019 when they were running, 2020. Where is that next generation? They're there. They have, I have great confidence in this next generation. In fact, I truly believe that, that we're going to see that next generation come forward and that they're that they're going to have a different attitude about things. Um, but, you know, the baby boomers have held on for a long, long time. And, um, and, and elections are complicated. Um, there's so many factors that go into electability and the, and, um, and the fundraising and all the things that go with it. That that's, I think, um, where we're at as far as why are we here and why is this younger generation not stepping up? But I, in, the, in the overall scheme of where Democrats are here, I think, again, Iowans are very practical, and they recognize that age is always a factor, um, but experience matters as well. And again, are we, are we getting things done? That's what people care about. Let's talk about the Iowa caucuses. Um, uh, Iowa's role being diminished significantly uh, by the uh, DNC, the Democratic National Committee. Um, the president, obviously, isn't a big fan of Iowa leading the nation. How are the caucuses going to be different? Because it's, it's back to party building, which has always been a part of it. But the, the presidential part, the, the nominating part, is really diminished. Well, I would say that, yes, we're disappointed. We're disappointed um, with the DNC not recognizing that Iowa has traditionally done such a great job of vetting its candidates. And Iowa is a great place to do that, right? It's much more affordable, and Iowans take it seriously, and they're used to doing it, and they do a good job. So, yes, we're disappointed. What I'm, what I'm happy about, though, is that in this, this cycle, we are going to a, a new way of going about it. And, um, and we are, as a result, we're going to have much greater participation, and it's going to be a, um, an opportunity for more people to have their voices heard. Now, you're saying much greater participation because it's the mail-in ballot? Is that what you're thinking? Absolutely, right? It's for the first time, we are not bound by a one-time event that happens in the middle of winter in, in Iowa at a particular place at a particular time, but instead, Every, every Democrat who wants to have their voice heard on the presidential selection process can request a, a presidential preference card, can receive it in the mail, complete it at their leisure, and return it and have their voices heard. And so this is important, right? You know, Iowa is um, a state that's in the center of the country that um, needs to be part of that, that first look at a presidential candidate. And so now we have an opportunity to um, make sure that we have more participation and that more people take advantage of that. Now, we'll also have our in-person caucuses on January 15th, the same day as the Republicans, and that's where we'll be doing that party building. But you know what? That gives us an opportunity to really do a better job of party building because, again, many people don't have, um, they're not in a position to to um, volunteer a lot of time and effort in a party, but they want their voices heard for the presidential preference part, right? So they've been coming to the caucuses and then, and then letting other people stick around for the party building part. Now we can we we have a two part two weighted two um, part process to get that done. So we're excited about that. There's going to be more participation that way, and we've been given great assurances by the DNC that in 2028 when it really matters more to Democrats, because mm -hmm. this year we know who our candidate is. In, 2020, 20, in 2028, it's going to be a, a different story. And so we've been, uh, received the assurances that it's going to be uh, 
you know, everybody's going to be on an even even keel again, and we have our opportunity to get back into that first tier. What does that mean? Everyone's going to be on even keel. It's, it's going to be another jockeying for position in 2028? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be wide open. So again. Iowa has to prove itself again. Well, and again, we can prove ourselves in this, you know, that because some of the criticisms that we've had, right, is that we haven't had a strong enough participation, that it, that it is, um, that we well, we had limited. we had record participation uh, for the nomination of uh, Barack Obama. We saw we saw that groundswell of younger people uh, getting involved in the caucuses. Um, so participation seems to have been relatively good in Iowa in the in the recent past. Um, depending upon what you're comparing it to, sure, 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 and also, you know, making sure that everybody is participating, that we have, that minorities are participating, mm -hmm. that that disabled folks are able to participate. Those are the kinds of things that we're going to be able to do in a different way now. You put a real positive spin on what 2024's caucus is going to look like, but basically, it's it's really nothing more than a primary with ballots, um, because the, the, the idea of the Iowa caucus, I, I'm, I'm explaining something you would know so well, was that you would gather, and I just so remember being in Fruitland Township in Muscatine County, somebody's house, and you had candidates in the kitchen, candidates in the living room, and they had to come together. Right. But that's not going to happen. That yeah. physical caucus does not happen. Is that dead now? Well, again, we'll have our in-person caucus, but it will be party building only. And and so there'll be opportunities for discussion all along, you know, as people, as we have our democratic events throughout the cycle. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's much more, um, I guess it would be more like what the Republicans have done, right? They have a caucus, but they just fill out a ballot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a change, but I believe it's a change that people are going to embrace. To what extent does the DNC even like caucuses? I mean, they really do want primaries. They don't really enjoy the caucus experience. <laughs> well, not everyone does, mm. I would say that. And I, I can't tell you what the DNC is really thinking about that, but but um, we're, we're excited that this is, this is going to be a, a change for the better. Let's talk about the uh, Democratic Party rebuilding in Iowa. Um, you've taken a shellacking. Uh, even uh, four years ago, Democrats thought they had a chance to really win in the state house and the Senate, and were extremely disappointed even by losses. We now have a supermajority in one of the houses for the Republicans. What does that say for the Democratic Party in Iowa? It says it's time to rebuild. And that's my message as I'm going across the state and talking to folks all, all across the state that, you know, we can be um, upset about that and recognize that um, things are happening in the state as a result that that um, are that people aren't happy with. You know, there was some very unpopular um, legislation that has gone through this this assembly, and and I think Iowa is a has always been pretty much a purple state and has already always appreciated divided government. They recognize that when you have two um, parties who have to talk to each other and find common ground, that that's how we get more reasonable, sensible legislation. We're missing that right now. And so it's really important that Democrats um, do better, you know, that we roll up our sleeves, that we go to work, that we make the case to the to Iowans that we're the party that has always stood up for working men and women in this state. We're the party that has always made sure that that 
that health care is a priority. We're the party that has always stood up to make sure that people have a say in their, in their working conditions. This is a party that wants to get things done. We have to make sure that we're making that case so that we get more Democrats elected and get more balance back in our state government, which how, is sorely needed. How do you get the candidates, though? Um, you talked to uh, Ken Crokin, who is on the air here, who is running for mayor of Davenport. And he said, well, I just can't get anything accomplished. Uh, he's a first term uh, representative in the Iowa legislature. I can't get anything accomplished because we're in such a minority. It's got to be more difficult to get Democrats to run for seats when they may not have a voice once they get to Des Moines. Sure. It's, it's uh, you know, I, I think that that somebody's always in the minority, right? I mean, there's a majority and minority all the time. The question is, who is doing the work? the hard work behind the scenes, right? Even if you're in the minority, it's your job to make an effect out there, right? To have the conversations that lead people in the right directions, that, that fine tune that legislation. And you have to have the hope that you're gonna get into the majority someday and that you take that responsibility seriously. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in when you're in the minority, but it's an important spot. You have a role to play. And, and that's what I think um, Iowans are looking for, is for people who are willing to step up and do their part for the public good, whatever role that is that they are, that they are given once they get there. You know, I used, I used to um, really respect that um, saying that, when, that when you are campaigning, you campaign as hard as you can and in a, a very partisan way. But when you get elected and you are underneath that dome, then you have your job is to govern and work with whoever the people have sent there. That's your job, and that's where we really make a difference. So I don't I don't have trouble finding candidates right now, because people are motivated by issues, and when they see that things are not done or or that there's things that need to be changed, things that need to be fixed, things that need to that would be make this um, state a better place for um, you know for the people that are running, then they step up. And that's what we have to do. Why can't Democrats win in rural areas? When you when you look at the map, you see, you know, all the Democratic lawmakers appear to be in the major metropolitan areas, Johnson County, Scott County, Polk County, uh, Blackhawk, uh, uh, yeah, Blackhawk County as well. Why can't uh, Democrats win in the rural areas? Same, same reason why Republicans are having trouble winning in urban areas, right? Um, we we become a very divided state, um, and and depending upon where you live, I think your the messages that you receive are different, and so um, that's what is really important, and that's one reason why I think people pushed me to take this job as a state party chair, because that's who I am. I'm a rural person. I have represented a rural county. I have gotten the support of rural people because I understand them. Right, and that's what we have to do as a party is to make sure that we that we are communicating, that we're listening, that we're understanding the the needs of rural people versus urban people, and we have to run the kinds of candidates that understand that, that live that. You know, so so it's not that we can't; it's that we haven't, and we need to change that. The other thing is uh, the, the power of the incumbency. It, it, it cannot be understated in some ways. And with Republicans now in charge of every constitutional office except the auditor, uh, that's, it's very tough to unseat those people. It is very tough. Yep. But, you know, 
that's what you got to do. You got to roll up your sleeves and go to work. And I think the Republicans are making it a little bit easier for us, you know, by by overreaching. You're talking about the last session of the legislature? Correct. Right. Overreaching. You know, it's very unpopular to have public tax dollars going to private schools that people recognize that that just doesn't make sense, that that I spend my money to have a good public school system and that 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 money is now going to be diverted and our public school systems are going to suffer accordingly. That's very unpopular. Um, the fact that they've overreached on women's health care, that people recognize that not only is this not good for um, women to have have lost their ability to make their own health decisions, but that it's hurting the state. That are that that it's shocking. I think that Iowa is the uh, the, the the state that has the fewest OBGYNs per capita. That is unhealthy for all women, and it's not. It's, so it's it's something that I think people recognize. We again. We need more balance in the state government to check each other. It certainly was a lot of social issues that were before the legislature. Um, and, and being Republican-dominated, you had seen it coming down the road. You, you, you saw some of these issues that were knocked down earlier but passed easily or moderately <clears throat> easily. You're talking about the school vouchers. You're talking about you know abortion access. And you're also talking about uh, LGBTQ issues inside schools. Uh, are those the big three that Democrats are going to be campaigning on in 2024? Well, and I think we're also going to be campaigning on what um, what our priorities have been. The fact that again, these 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 um, projects that are going up all over Iowa that are really going to be impacting people's lives, those were a result of the Biden administration and were passed by Democrats. And the, all four Republican representatives here voted against that legislation. That's that is that is uh, that are building these things that are improving people's lives. So yeah, the, the um, issues that I think um, have, they have overreached on are obviously issues that Iowans care about, so we're gonna be talking about them. And you bring up the bridges, the infrastructure. Of course, that's federal passage, it's, it's federal law. On the state level, people are gonna say, well, the Republicans have got the budget figured out, taxes are down, um, they're good managers of Iowa's fiscal situation right now. Except for that, there's a lot of people that are complaining about their property taxes, and and therefore that then a, a law was passed now that is restricting the cities, the municipalities, and the counties um, from raising that. So what what are those what are, what's going to be the result of that? Seems pretty clear that our services are going to be reduced as a result. So is that good fiscal management, or is that passing the buck? So that it looks good on the state level, but makes it harder for the for the counties and the municipalities to improve people's lives. Let's let's talk about the upcoming election in particular. Uh, uh, Marionette Miller Meeks uh, is is running for re-election. Uh, Christina Bohannon has announced that she's planning. I just can't not talk to you because there's an asterisk next to your name all the time. <laughs> that it's Rita Hart. She lost by six votes. It's always going to be said. Yep. Why did you not run again? You you had the best chance. What, what just is is campaigning just out for you now? It was a really hard election. It was, it was a, and, and after election was hard as yes, well. It was an incredibly hard process. Um, to run for Congress is a daunting task in itself. To be involved in a race that was the closest race in all of United States House history, that's a whole different animal. At a time when um, there was tre tremendous consternation in this country, 
with um, a lot of conversation, a lot of uh, unhappiness around stopping the steal and 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 the, the the Trump phenomenon around around the election process itself. That was hard. It was hard on me. It was hard on our campaign. It was a very disappointing result, and it was um, very much um, a lot of politics around that decision, right? But in the end, I have to do what's right for my family, and um, and that was really hard on on um, on our family in, in general. So I had to take a step back, and and um, I think it was the right decision. Um, I think that that I I'm in a position now where I can use that background, that that knowledge that I learned, the, the experience that I had being in that situation, uh, and bring that to bear. Um, for people like Christina Bohannon, right? People who are great candidates, who are running good campaigns, and and who um, we should bring across the finish line as a Democratic Party. That's what I'm. That's what I know. I can bring to this table. I can help people to understand what we've got to do as a party to strengthen our party and to help good candidates get across the finish line. We have been talking about elections, but let's talk about the actual election. The results are going to come in in 2024. You do know that there's going to be people stop the steal. There's going to be people saying fake. There's going to be elections that are going to be challenged all over the place. What is the Democratic Party doing to prepare for Election Day and the day after in 2024? Well, again, I think that the, the bottom line is we've got to run the very best campaigns we can so that the, the results are clear. We have to make sure that um, we are staying on top of of um, any of those challenges um, to make sure that people, in the end, all people wanna know is, is my vote going to be counted? It, are the people who are in charge um, being honest? And I think that, that um, I have great confidence in the county auditors all across the state. They're there for the right reasons. Um, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we have learned some lessons over the last couple cycles and that, that we should have some confidence in the way our elections are run. And we just have to make sure that we are doing everything we can to be as transparent and, and, uh, and make sure that, um, that that's true, that the people can have the confidence in that. But as you know, there are grassroots efforts that are gonna say whatever results that they don't necessarily believe in it. Um, are, are you worried about the confidence of the American people in the elections, even the primaries and caucuses? Again, we've seen so many examples of this, you know, that when people don't win, somehow they think that it's rigged. And we've got to get back to a notion that, that we have processes in place, they are transparent, we have a check and a double check and a triple check system. So um, we've got to have, uh, make sure that we continue to run those processes in a, in a, correct fashion, and then deal with the people who um, who are in it for the wrong reasons, I guess, is the bottom line. Iowa Democratic Party Chair, Rita Hart. We like to take time to showcase musical talent in the cities, and that brings us to our next artist. Daniel Stratman has Southern Californian roots, but he considers himself a troubadour with an average Joe persona. Here's Daniel Stratman with Satisfied. The melody always comes first. And, uh, and if I'm lucky, I come up with a couple of scratch lyrics. And uh, if it's worth writing down, I'll, I'll, I always have paper and tablets around and I start writing down 
um, the melody line and, and maybe a few lyrics. We had a night that I will never forget You stole my heart and swept me away Tomorrow hasn't even happened yet There's nothing more that I want to say I'm satisfied song is called satisfied and it just means those moments in life where where you're actually happy you know you you're kind of just kind of satiated it could be a dinner out with a friend it could be a, a moment that you have with the one that you love uh, it could just be a, a quiet Sunday morning where the sun's coming through the window and you just have have those little, little quick moments where just like everything's okay right now everything's good yes I will Mother Nature's humming along I'm satisfied I had a friend of mine that told me years and years ago, he said, Daniel, you're driven. And there's just something, you know, we, I think we all have a passion. We all have a reason for living. And, uh, you know, what gets us out of bed in the morning that makes us jump. And, you know, I just, I get the biggest bang out of just getting out and not just writing songs because that's a very difficult process, uh, even though it's a gift. Uh, but getting out and playing in front of public is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And it just, there's nothing like it. I'm satisfied. Daniel Stratman with Satisfied. He just released a new CD called Painters and Poets. It's also available streaming at danielstratman.com. On the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer. Thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the cities. and Van Ho Funeral Homes have been serving Quad City families and veterans for over 100 years. Whelan Presley is located in Rock Island, Milan, Reynolds, and Van Ho in East Moline, proudly supporting WQPT.
Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities.